Kia ora and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Exit Trials Football Podcast, the home of alternative football. This is the third edition of our previews for the Euros and today we're focusing on Italy. Joining me on the pod, we have a true blue Italian hailing from Rome, now residing here in Auckland, New Zealand. It's a pleasure to have Maurizio on the show. Benvenuto, Maurizio, come va? How's it going? <laughs> Oh, thank you. That's a wonderful Italian there. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> man, you. Everything is, uh, everything is good. I'm uh, excited to be here and uh, hi, everybody that are watching. Thank you once again for the short notice and thank you for accepting a random ad on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I mean, it's, uh, it looked harmless, so I, I was happy to be <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's a pleasure to talk to someone like I've never met before. So this, yeah. anything can happen. I'm not sure <laughs> what's going to happen, but hopefully the the listeners anyway will learn a bit more about Italy and uh, of course the football. So yeah, uh, well, and now you know me. So if you want to call me again, I'll, I'll pick it up. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Maritza, how do you how do you find New Zealand? Yeah, I I arrived in 2013, so it's like eight years that I'm in New Zealand now. Um, the reason I was originally going to Australia then for a series of uh, events I didn't go and uh, one of my best friends which is actually my best friend from my school moved in New Zealand um, is Alf Kiwi and he told me oh why don't you come I mean you're not going in Australia anymore maybe you can come to New Zealand and then if you still want to go in Australia you just uh, you know just a few hours away and I say well it sounds like a good idea I wouldn't have been alone because there was a person that I've been knowing pretty much all my life. And so it seems like comfortable. And yeah, I arrived and uh, I remember saying uh, as soon as I uh, stepped out of the plane, 30 hours, you know, that wasn't a direct flight at that time. It was still a very long 30 hours on the plane. I already had a booked a ticket to come back and I said there is no way I'm going to do this at least in another year <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up staying in here in New Zealand <laughs> oh brilliant so uh, what do you do here well I'm a professional football coach that's my club uh, uh, I also have uh, um, a day job with uh, uh, selling bathroom rare and stuff from Italy but yeah, I'm trying to get my career towards coaching. I'm doing all my badges. I got wow. the C license at the moment, try to work on the B. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much what I'm doing. Oh, cool. So you're at Green Height, are you? Yeah, at the moment I'm at Green Height. Um, I was prior at Oakland United and uh, uh, Ellerslie also, Papakura. So yeah, wow. I've been coaching for quite a while. How are you finding football here in New Zealand in general? Oh, I think... Um, um, the culture is good and it's definitely the movement is growing. Um, also, at the moment, I'm involved with the women's space, which is definitely something that is growing mm. fast, even worldwide. And it's actually interesting. Um, but yeah, generally, it's good. Uh, the, the New Zealand football has just passed the, uh, uh, a resolution which has restructured the old uh, national leagues. So mm. now everybody can have access to the national league, while before there was... Uh, a fixed uh, 10 or 12 uh, teams league. So it was quite of an elite, similar to the Super League, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So now they make it more accessible. So it's definitely exciting. It's exciting because uh, the football landscape in New Zealand is changing fast and is becoming uh, more professional, which is great. It's exciting. That's awesome. So go back to your childhood. So what's your earliest memory of football? Oh, good question. Uh, the earliest memory of football I have is me playing uh, on a dirt patch <laughs> with some <laughs> friends. Uh, we had this uh, big field 
because we were just moved into a uh, like new development. So there were obviously a lot of uh, lots that weren't developed yet. So with the sum of older kids and the parents, we took this literally a patch of dirt and uh, uh, dig the posts in uh, and uh, create a football pitch. And I was playing there, probably played there with my friends for five to six years. Um, I've been there recently and there is a parking lot now there. It's so sad. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the memory that I have, the, the earliest. I was probably five. Because I've seen your Facebook, and obviously that's how I found you. And like I see that you've got the Inter Milan as your as your team celebrating yeah. that 19th Scudetto. How do you say it? Scudetto? Scudetto. 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 Uh, the Serie A. So you finally won the league. Yes, it was eleven years. Eleven wow. years after we won everything, we were on the top of the world with Mourinho. Won the uh, the Champions League, and the year after, when he left, uh, Rafa Benitez managed to win the world. Uh, um, the World League with yeah with uh, against the um, an African team, so it was even a, a very weird final. There. <laughs> <laughs> so like in Italy, because you've got loads of clubs there. I mean, how, how's it work with supporting the team? Is it based where you're from, or do you just pick a team, or how's it work over there? Um, it's uh, Mostly, yes. I mean, if you come from um, uh, the countryside, uh, usually you have like your local team that could be either playing in the Serie A or Serie B or even lower leagues. And then usually you attach yourself to a higher club based on, I don't know, it could be anything because you like some players or because uh, they're winning or something like that. So mostly, yeah, there is, uh, there is obviously some uh, routes that... Uh, are important in your choice. Uh, but then, yeah, it's quite random. Could be anything. I remember I became Inter Milan fan. I was living in Rome, even if I'm originally from Sardinia. I was living in Rome. I have a brief spell of trying, you know, because some of my friends went from uh, for Roma, other was for Lazio. Uh, but then I did like the uh, Inter Milan at the time as the as the Germans. There was Mateus there. There was Breme, and uh, I really liked the team, and I started to support it. And uh, then we went into our uh, uh, Dutch spell with Bergkamp and uh, you know Young. There were so many, um, and then we started with the Argentinian, which made probably the fortune of Inter Milan with all the Argentinian players. Some of the most iconic, like Zanetti, uh, Veron, uh, Samuel. Uh, obviously, Milito, uh, Cambiasso, there's so many. And now there is Lautaro Martinez. So, yeah, um, I I quite like it. In my team, is plenty of Argentinian at the moment. So that's oh, really? Actually, yeah, yeah. So, actually, it's a, it's a connection in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, who's your favourite player of all time for Inter? My favourite player of all time for Inter is so hard because we had so many. Uh, I... I Cannot name one. I would make a series of them. Um, I was a great fan, obviously, of Ronaldo, the phenomenon, the real one, as I say. Ah, the real one. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but uh, we had Baggio for a bit, a uh, great yeah. player. I love Adriano. It's so sad what he did. I think he was an absolute beast there, um, one of the 
best player I've seen play because I used to go to the stadium many times so I actually see this player. Um, I was in love with Snyder before he came to Inter Milan and I was so happy when he came. Uh, obviously, Recoba, but the one that is in my heart for what did happen to him and because I really want him, I, was, I used to call him the Flying Dutch and it was Anthony van der Meide. Okay, but yeah. unfortunately, he had very big personal issues and when he came in Milan, he couldn't perform. Um, now he's even a bit more sad because he's out of football, he's got the history as a drug and drunk. Mm. But yeah, so I was really, I really liked him. Yeah. yeah. So um, the San Siro, that's an oh, iconic stadium. I mean, how do you yeah. feel about that game demolished? I'll send you some picture of it. Yeah, you should <laughs> do, should do. So the San Siro, so I've, I've got um, a mate that's... Um, uh, last time Wales played out in uh, Italy back in 2003, I think it was, um, he told me a story, a famous story, that the Italian fans, they're above the Wales supporters, and um, the Italian fans were pissing in cups and then chucking it down <laughs> onto the sports. And he told me, I'm not sure if it's a true story or not, but he's told me many times that someone threw a scooter from yeah. the top stand. Is that true? Will that happen? Yeah, so that is a true story. It's always been uh, remembered uh, as, a, as a history of uh, incredible things that can happen in Italian <laughs> stadiums. Um, since then, though, there were some things have changed. So, for instance, now the guests... Uh, are not staying on the third ring of the yeah. stadium. They're actually at the bottom now, uh, which is also better for them because obviously you can't see anything from the third ring. It's awful. Uh, the scooter, it was actually a protest of the most iconic uh, uh, groups of fans of Inter Milan because it wasn't a, a game against uh, Atalanta, which is in Bergamo, which is not that far from, uh, mm. from Milan. So the, that, that day I was there so that day there, there was like uh, uh, an event in Milan where they closed the city to cars and they wanted to people to go with either scooters or bikes or just walking. So the all be- all the people from uh, the from Atalanta they came with their scooter from Bergamo and they passed in the center of the city. It was like probably like thousands of them, and <laughs> obviously Inter Milan fan were fight were quite pissed about it. So they went out in the parking lot, took one of those scooters and just threw it off to them. A bit excessive. Italian way. <laughs> really passionate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, passionate. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, um, so have you At least they didn't yeah. set it on fire. They just threw it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so um, with the Italians, I mean, uh, you know, you got your ultras over there and, you know, I watched this movie the other day. I can't remember the name of it, man. It was um, it was set in Napoli, Naples. So um, ah, need to watch the film again. But it was it's on Netflix now. It's about ultras, I think, or that might be the name of it. But it was pretty pretty hardcore. Like yeah, the support um, the support you have over there is really fanatical. They love football. Yeah, yeah well, it's a uh, um, football is a very important part of our culture in Italy. Um, it's um, it's a bit more obsessive than perhaps the British has them, um, because the British went through that crazy stage with the hooligans, the same as Italy. The difference is that the English government managed to uh, react and uh, put an end to it, something that in Italy wasn't possible. <laughs> so, but as I've been in England, that there is still the little borough you know, that 
mm. fight against each other constantly in the pitch, out of the pitch. Um, they call them derbies or, yeah, so yeah, those yeah. kind of things. Mm. So, yeah, I think that it's quite, uh, it's a common issue that you have in uh, countries like in South America, yes, in Italy, um, still in England in the suburbs. Um, because I think that the, the beauty of the sport is that really anything can happen. Mm. And uh, that translates in a series of emotions that not everybody can deal with. And uh, obviously, when you have some uh, um, people like in Italy or in South America that are really passionate by themselves as a, their nature, as their character, that, that, that can develop in, uh, you know, unpredictable <laughs> have you um you probably know all about this but i've heard that there's a bit of an element of that out in wahiki because you've got a lot of foreigners live over there yes yeah crazy crazy fans there play against wahiki quite a few times it's exciting okay. looks yeah. like i'm back in italy yeah <laughs> and what's it like with the girls like it's because uh, you got a lot of you said you got a lot of south americans in the team and yes a bit fiery and they come up against these Kiwi white girls. Do you feel that um, the foreign girls in your team take football more seriously or they're more passionate about it or is it level across the board? It's a bit funny because I think that uh, at least what's happening in New Zealand, there is two kind of players. There is a player that wants to compete, wants to get better uh, and wants to see where they can go, you know? Uh, and... Uh, from the other side, that is the social player. Uh, but sometimes, you know, they mix. I don't really think that is related to uh, the nationality. It's just the way that the sport is actually practiced in New Zealand. Uh, and the fact that money is not a big component yet, um, it really gets the, pl- the players to stick to the rules. So, yeah, I think that uh, while uh, it's easier for a foreigner that comes from a country where football is very popular to approach football, um, I can see still many uh, people, um, I mean, Kiwi people uh, involved in the game, uh, regardless of uh, uh, having a good football background or not, which is great because I, I always say football, uh, everybody can play football. All you need is a ball. And you don't even need the goals. You can use a couple of jackets, put them on the floor, and just just play. <laughs> um, you know, which is great. But yeah, so I don't I don't think that the nationality actually um, it's um, okay. it's a factor at least at the moment. Yeah. Do you enjoy coaching? A lot. Do you get I more like... out of coaching than when you were as a player? Uh, even when I was a player, I was playing a lot of football manager and things. <laughs> so I think that uh, I always say that I always enjoy more to understand the game than actually playing it. Okay. I wasn't a bad player, actually, to be honest with you. But uh, I think that, uh, yeah, the, the nature of, uh, you know, the nature, sorry, the, uh, the, the wanting to coach was always, you know, bit inside me so yeah and that's also um why I, I stayed in New Zealand I had opportunities that probably in Italy would have taken three times the time to actually uh to actually fulfill so yeah. uh here it was very good oh that's good what would you say for people I mean in footballers now or people retiring from football to try and get into coaching like how would you what would you say to encourage them to get involved with the girls side of things 
Um, as a coach, I have coached men, of course, and I'm coaching women. So mm-hmm. as a personal experience, I would recommend everybody that wants to coach to try both words because um, it actually forces you to look at a football problem and sort it in a different way because there are different angles that a man and a woman um, actually uh, used mm-hmm. to approach the, the same football problem. So um, for a coach, it's very good because it opens your mind. Uh, for those who want to start coaching because they haven't still been, uh, uh, because they just stopped playing or things like that, I would recommend to actually do the courses and take seriously the page. Uh, it's very important because the fact that you have played the game, uh, it doesn't really mean that you understand it fully. There's so many other things that you need to consider. Relationship with players, uh, resting, um, make a plan that makes sense to all the players, considering who you have, what's their football knowledge and stuff like that. Without studying, I know it sounds silly, but without studying the game, you won't understand it no matter how much you played it. I agree with that. There's not many players that have been great players and, and been a great coach, but one of those uh, people are Roberto Mancini. The current yes. coach for Italy, he's done pretty well. Yes, I mean, um, I'm. I have to be honest. I'm. I'm quite impressed uh, because uh, before Mancini, pretty much every single Italian team was this kind of team that could go with Slovenia and won one nil at eighty-nine minute goal. Or, uh, you know, when you would see Spain, which was in your same group, going to Slovenia and do five-one, four-one, six-one. Um, which is what would you expect because you say Italy is one of the strongest team obviously in the world and you would like to see that sort of performances against the weakest team. So before Roberto Mancini never happened, then Mancini came on board and suddenly Italy was Italy, you know, you play with uh, you play with Finland and you win like three or four, no, you play with uh, San Marino and you do another four or five goals, you play with Malta or whatever and you do, you do seven, eight or nine which never happened before mm. so that's really great credit goes to the coach because obviously he has started to play a football which is more aggressive, more attacking and is more pleasing to see yeah, because if you look at his like win ratio, it's the highest, I think, since the 30s for Italy. He's got um, about a 70% win rate. And then in the, the recent qualification campaign, they've won every single game, all 10 games. And then yeah. I don't think you've lost in, well, I don't know whether the last to be lost, but you, you're definitely on a 25-game unbeaten streak right now. Um, yeah. So for me personally, like when I've done my predictions, uh, which we'll talk about later, and whenever I talk to my mates, Italy for me is the dark horse of the tournament. Because look at the form that they brought into the tournament. I think what people are blinded by right now is that because Italy didn't qualify for that last World Cup, and you're sort of on that same level with uh, with Holland, for example, because you both have not been in the tournament for a while. And I think mm-hmm. Italy have gone under the radar. And if you look at the the group that you have and the the potential path that you guys have got for the final, you know, it's uh, I reckon Italy are the dark horses for sure. Yeah, I believe Italy's definitely got a shot. Um, it will all depends of um, how much uh, um, the team will be able to perform uh, during that time. The problem with the you know European Cups, the same as uh, World Cup, is that you need to have you have a very brief period of time, and if <clears throat> some of the most important players for some reason they just not feeling it during that time, then you're all 
overall performance is going to suffer. Um, it's not casual, for instance, to see that sometimes you have uh, those one or two players that perform greatly either in the World Cup and or the European Cup got bought by big clubs for big money and then you just lose track of them. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, because that's what it is really. It's also about that. But yeah, definitely Italy has got a mix of experienced players and young players. The talent is there. Uh, the the strength and the coach is there. Uh, would the performance be there? I guess we just need to Because, <laughs> um, you know, the Italian um, FA over there, they've, they've backed Bancini now to 20, 26. So that would show you that he's got their full yeah, support. Yeah, there is a lot of faith, but you know, in Italy, things can change in a blink of an eye. Going back a bit, so uh, when you guys missed out on the last World Cup, I mean, how devastating was that for a country like Italy? Um, that we weren't really devastated. That is, that was disappointment uh, because a lot of the blame was towards the coach and. Um, even if I can sympathize with the coach, because I know that it's not easy, I would generally agree. I mean, Ventura was, didn't do a good job. Uh, his idea of football was probably a bit outdated. And uh, I think that the Federation uh, trusted his experience, you know, over a radical change. And uh, overall, we weren't happy, but... Looking at what happened now, the Federation decided to appoint Mancini, which is obviously a bit more uh, uh, open to a certain kind of football, mm. started to call young players and stuff like that. Probably was a blessing in disguise. You know, at the end of the day, if you if you need to miss something to build up, then so be it. So I guess that people moved on quite quickly, especially mm. when we start winning all these games, like you say, 25 now. So. Uh, so it sounds like you pretty much got over it straight away. <laughs> no, it was a very, uh, it was a big deal for a while. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the Federation appointed Mancini shortly after. That was a relief because obviously as a coach, is uh, well known and uh, he made quite clear that the Federation understood what sort of uh, mistake they made. So that actually quite, yeah. you know, calmed the, the people a bit. Yeah. So if you look at the, the squad that you've got, it's definitely a blend of youth and a lot of experience. You've got a lot of caps, especially the um, the defensive areas, you know, Cellini, um, Benucci. So like you've got a lot of old heads there. Um, and this is another reason why I think Italy have got it, because if you look at a lot of other countries, they've picked a lot of young, unexperienced teams, like England, for example, Germany, another one, um, Spain, also in that bracket as well. So whereas Italy, if they've got something there, uh, particularly the old guys. I tell your name, you sign it down and see if I was right at the end. Okay. Uh, it's Giacomo Raspadori. Okay. Is a uh, is one of the strikers. Is the probably the least known of the lot. Uh, but the young kid has a very bright future and he okay. can do very well. So I would keep an eye on that. But obviously, well, as an Inter Milan fan, I think Italy this year uh, has an advantage, which is to have a, a, a wonderful midfielder such as uh, Barella. Mm. I mean, he's probably one of the best there. Uh, because he, he can do, he can run, he can strike, he can pass. Uh, he's, he's an outstanding 
uh, players. And having a player like that is always uh, very important. Um, and, you know, it's got around a lot of quality with, uh, with Giorginio, with uh, Cristante, Locatelli, Pellegrini as well. Mm. And as you say, the, the, the defensive part is quite experienced, which is always good. And uh, without forgetting that probably now with Donnarumma, after Buffon left, yeah. probably Italy has found themselves another very good keeper for the next 10 to 15 years. 20 so years overall, probably. it's a strong team. <laughs> Overall, is a strong team, but yes. Um, and there is Chiesa as well up front. He's another very good player. His father was a very good player too. Though. How big of a tournament do you think uh, Chiro Mobley will have? Um, see, Mobley, for instance, uh, as a coach, is the one that I would be uh, always careful about. The The guy needs a lot of support to perform on an on a, uh, international stage. Uh, he has actually showed them quite a few times with Lazio, both in the Europa League and uh, in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't done as many goals in, um, in the national team as well. But obviously, if it's, it goes back to what we said before. If Immobile has that month that, for whatever reason, everything that he does you know, becomes gold, then he's going to have a big, big, it's going to be a big, year for him yeah. um, I would be more uh, I told you I would be more into looking for Raspadori especially if Immobile starts not playing well and I think Insigne has still something to say he's, a, he's another player mm-hmm. that can make a difference especially in a team like this one that plays with uh, with player like him so I'm re- very intrigued to see what would be the first 11 that Mancini is going to pull down because it's not easy the team doesn't pick itself then with Mancini. It's uh, just what goes on the day. <laughs> well, he has, uh, he has changed quite a bit. So okay. for me, it's, it's, even for me that I'm Italian, it's, it's, a bit, uh, um, it's, it's a bit hard for me to predict because, to be honest, uh, as I said, it's very, um, it has been quite you know, uh, open to change. Mm. Um, think about it. There was... Uh, um, Grifo or something like that. There's an Italian player that plays in Germany. Okay. That he has done all the qualification and everything, you know, and now he hasn't even called them. So there are some, uh, yeah, some, <laughs> some interesting choices in there. So the Euros, they finally kick off this Saturday morning for us here in New Zealand. Uh, yep. Turkey is first up. I mean, is it a silly question to ask you who's going to win that game? Um... In light of what I said before, that Italy was a very unpredictable, you know, the game that should win easily, never won, and then, you know, pull out the good performance with other team. Uh, I think that this can be quite be, you know, the past. Because Mancini has shown that this team can win when it needs to win. Uh, so I'm confident for that. Um, in my prediction, if then I don't know when you want to look at those. Uh, yeah, we could do that. We could do that. So have you got Italy winning the whole group? I got... Italy winning the whole group, and mm-hmm. I actually got Turkey as a second, not Switzerland. Interesting. I think, I think Switzerland will be one of well because I can expect some draws there, so I think mm-hmm. that Switzerland will be one of the uh, best third. Yeah. Uh, sorry for your words. I mean, they can definitely <laughs> do it. Um, or you know, it's a uh, as as I said, is unpredictable, but. Uh, um, I can see that, uh, especially uh, especially this year, with uh, you know, with uh, with Italy being a, quite a solid team, uh, Turkey has a lot of quality there, and Switzerland is always a, uh, 
I don't know why that national team is so weird. Um, <laughs> it's somehow it always managed to pass the group stage. Yeah, um, you're right. To, <laughs> um, yeah, it's very tough. I mean, but yeah, you never know. Maybe the Welsh can can do something. Uh, That's the video football we said it before. I wish I had your uh, your optimism. I wish I did because I I can't see us winning the game. <laughs> But it was nice to be there, and I wish I was in Rome. I really do. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, it's definitely gonna be very nice to watch. Um, yeah, then you got the I look on the left because I put the screenshot yeah, there. Um, the the group B, I think uh, the group B is the one that Belgium's gonna win. Um, that is quality there. That is Lukaku, obviously. <laughs> uh, oh, do you, do you think, keep him though quickly. Then do you think uh, you'll keep Lukaku in the summer? Yeah, yeah, he will. You reckon? He will stay. You say that it will stay, so it's gonna stay. Okay. Uh, I know that there are problems with money there, but uh, the, the the problem of the money are more relative to the payment, the the upcoming payment that the Inter Milan has to do, okay. and that's why it was uh, Akimi the one that was probably leaving because uh, it hasn't been paid yet. So <laughs> you're gonna have, you have a double double entry there. You don't need to pay Real Madrid, and also you get some money out of. Yeah. But we see today they say that the deal kind of fall apart a bit. So we will see. <laughs> Sorry, anyway, carry on. So Belgium there. Uh, second one at Denmark. I mean, there is Ericsson there again in Inter Milan player. <laughs> but I think again, Denmark has the quality. It's a bit weird there because there is Russia and Finland. Mm. Now, I don't know about Finland because, um, to be honest, um, um, since there was Yari Littmann and I haven't tracked any Finland player <laughs> anymore. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, so. And Russia, Russia never performed. Russia are the, you know, it's like China. Everybody expects to become a powerhouse sooner or later and just never just happen. <laughs> just going to be carry on, I think. I people be wrong there, but I don't really think so. Yeah. Oh, pretty. Uh, Group C? Group C, that's the one that I think is going to have some surprises in there, but definitely uh, the Netherlands should make it. Um, is a strong team, is a young team, highly technical, always perform well in the European stage. So I can expect them to at least to come um, out of there. Uh, and then uh, I think Austria. Austria is another team that has got a lot of young players and uh, usually perform well in the European Cup. Mm. Um, is a solid team. Uh, the coach is a very good one. Uh, so it would be definitely interesting to see how it goes. Uh, then Ukraine and Macedonia. Macedonia managed to to do it at the end, uh, so for them it's already great to be there. Uh, they will play their hearts out because that's what the Macedonian players are. But there's simply there is not the quality there to actually be trading into any of these teams. Um, Ukraine, I don't know. Shevchenko has done a good job there, uh, mm. but again, there's just not the quality. It's just not there. I don't think they can do it. Um, the group is too hard from that perspective. But as I said, there could be the surprise there because Austria is a big bet for me. Uh, but yeah, um, I've seen them play quite a few times. Uh, some of the players that they have are interesting, so I think that they can do well mm, okay. in that group. We got Group D. This is probably one of the toughest group, along with the F, uh, because the team I reckon they're all on the same level. Uh, obviously, Scotland won't be too much of a threat. However, with the Scottish, you never know. They never are fathers like like the Welshmen, so you you need to. We will have to see there. Um, I see definitely Croatia going on top. Uh, 
the most qualities there. The team uh, has been playing together for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they managed to go uh, far also in the World Cup. The, the core team is still there. The Modric, the Brozovic, Perisic, they're all there. Um, there are actually another couple of few new players that are performing very well. So um, I would say that there I would keep, <clears throat> I would pick the team over the the quality. So that team is a strong team. It will do well. Uh, the second one, England, that's surprising here. Um, I don't think that England has the quality. That's the problem there. Um, <laughs> they got the explosivity. They got the players, that, but the, the, the actual quality, uh, talking about the team, Croatia is a better team than, than England is. They will suffer that. Uh, and... Uh, and uh, the third, which would be Czech Republic, uh, they can always be uh, a surprise because the Czechs player always have a lot of technique there. So mm, I guess that there will be Croatia and England, but England second. Interesting. Um, group E. That's another... There is a team that is playing against Italy, as in performed well, which is Poland. But I think that Poland will win the league for the simple reason that Spain now has this problem with COVID. And if something we learn ah, from COVID yes. is that it's unpredictable. Uh, a couple of players have already been sent home, uh, one of which I think is Busquets, which is a big loss. Mm. Uh, so I put them second because I want to see how that situation will develop. Because if they lose two or three key players, then Spain is already suffering from uh, um, a lot of players that have retired over the years and they haven't been able to replace them properly. Uh, however, the other teams, there is Slovakia and Sweden, which I don't really think that they are, um, they are threatening. I mean, Slovakia, they got, they got a nice team there, but again, it's a young team, highly construction, um, few stars, but, um, <clears throat> not really the way that they could be. I mean, Sweden has to call back Ibrahimovic. That says long of the status of their football. If you need to have a 41 year old striker to, to carry the team. It means that there's really no players in the country. So, uh, <laughs> well, it is. I mean, great respect from Zlatan has, has been. I, I I need to use the past tense in here. Has been a great, a great. <laughs> you would say that though, supporting Inter. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's just a performer at the moment. I mean, you have to see the. You know, he played with with AC Milan this year, and uh, played mm. is a big word at the end of the day. <laughs> Well, he did 15 games over the AC Milan has played. So obviously, uh, as much as he can make a difference, you see, if he's, if he's managed to come in form for a very small period of time, he can definitely be, be a big difference for Sweden. The problem is that he's a one-man show and mm. I don't think they will do well, to be honest with you. So, yeah. So I got Poland first, Spain second because of COVID and then Slovakia and Sweden. Group F, this is a tough one. I mean, I think that none of these uh, uh, people have been happy when they saw the draw, the draft. I mean, if I was one of these coach, I would have said, oh, come on, man, are you kidding me? Uh, Hungary is set for... <laughs> uh, so I don't think Hungary would make it. <laughs> 
Please, if there is any Hungarians, don't kill me. <laughs> um, I think that the short stick there would be on Portugal. Um, mm. Ronaldo is not the player that he used to be. He demonstrated that in this couple of years at Juventus. He cannot make a difference anymore. Yes, he does score, but uh, he's just uh, he's in a that kind of period of his career where he does need support. So mm. support that you don't have in Portugal because, again, there's just not the quality there. And if you compare it with France, France has got the talent, it's got the players. They are young, they are hungry. Um, they got one of the best midfielders in the world, which is Contena, one of the best strikers in the world, which is Mbappé. But there is also another couple of our youngsters there that... Um, um, that can make a difference. The prince is still there, Griezmann. Maybe people forgot about it because of because of uh, Barcelona. But and then you know, but when he when he matters, he always delivers. So extremely threatening. However, there is Germany, and Germany will win the league, the league there. I think. You think so? Wow. Germany has the players. As again, is is same is same conversation for Croatia. Uh, Croatia, I said in Italy, Croatia. <laughs> Croatia. <laughs> uh, Germany has the experience, has the players, uh, and as the team. Uh, the coach knows what he's doing. They've been working together for eight years. They won everything that could have been won in the meantime, mm. but they have not done yet. Um, it's not like Spain. See, for instance, Spain has... Player, as released players haven't been able to replace them. Um, mm. In Germany, it didn't happen. They released some players, they actually replaced them and probably increased the quality in the meantime, yeah. while some of the old, old uh, group is still there. So I can see Germany coming first and then, and then France. So around the 16, let's see around the 16. Yeah, so you got Switzerland, uh, then Russia, Ukraine, and Portugal, which will be the best before. Uh, with the best third. And then we got... Uh, so then you have uh, Belgium, Switzerland, which obviously I think Belgium will make it. Uh, Italy, Austria should be an easy game for Italy. <laughs> um, Germany, Ukraine. Again, Germany will probably make it. Uh, and England, Spain, which will be a very good game. I think that Spain will manage to make it, though. Um well, after that time, maybe, especially if they decide to keep the COVID players, at that stage, they will be still available. Uh, Poland, Russia, there will be Poland there. Lewandowski, is, is, he can do a difference. There are also other players. I know Poland because she was in our group and it was one of the toughest there. Uh, Croatia, France will be a tough one, but France will come on top because, again, uh, see what we said before, you know, France, very high-talented, Croatia, mm. solid team, but then the talent always come on top. Uh, Netherlands, Portugal, Netherlands will make it, and uh, Turkey, Denmark will be Denmark coming on top. Leaving us with Belgium against Italy, that's what a tough one, but I think Italy can... Actually, Italy's could could beat Belgium uh, because Belgium is a uh, uh, very technical and attack a lot. Those kind of teams usually Italy can can take on them. Uh, Germany, Spain, as I said, Germany is strong team, but it's still the core group is there. Spain is a strong team, but the, the core group has left, so Germany will win, I think. Poland, France will be 
good for France. I think uh, that France, again, will come on top. Uh, a lot of talent, a lot of players can replace each other. So even the fatigue that will come in place, you know, probably Poland will have Lewandowski played all games, will be a bit more tired, while France would have managed to rest Mbappé and others. Um, Netherlands, Denmark, I think Netherlands can, can pass there. Mm. Semi-final will be Italy, Germany. Um, despite the fact that Italy is a strong team, um, is developing, it will pay the fact that the Germany has more experience. And I think that the Zizelman at the end will <laughs> come on top. <laughs> uh, the other one will be France, Netherlands. And here I think that would be the first surprise because I think the Netherlands will beat France. Really? I think so. No. I think that if if France had to pick a team uh, to don't face, Netherlands would be the team. Wow. Because uh, in terms of intensity and technique, um, they are there. They just less experience, haven't won much, obviously. But, you know, um, Netherlands... Um, at the end, will be Germany with Netherlands, and I pick Netherlands for the win. <laughs> really? So, I think Netherlands will be the big story of this of this wow. European. Group. Happy to be wrong there. Maybe they don't even pass the groups. But uh, <laughs> to be honest, uh, I think that um, Netherlands. Um, um, it was about to come, and uh, I think it's coming now. Uh, Spain is definitely, you know, Germany had it. And Spain had it before, you know, before mm. Germany. Um, I think that the Dutch time is coming. Uh, they have been, you know, there's a lot of players that they have released during the last five to six years. Um, Ajax has come and arrived also, to, you know, to a, a Champions League semifinals mm. and always advancing, meaning that the players are definitely there. Um, it's it's time now. It's time mm. now. They have they have Winaldum. They have the lead. They have many others. They have the young. They have a lot of players with quality there, and they are mm. strong. Now, I, I agree with that. I would have I would have thought the same uh, if it was last year. But I feel of any country that's been affected by a delay in the whole year is be Holland because obviously Van Dijk's not there. You know, so yeah. he's a huge loss to any team. But I think it's it's come at the wrong time for them this Euros, and I I just, I just can't see. I think they'll I agree with you. I think they'll win the group, but I don't think they'll go any further than the sixteen round sixteen. I don't think so. Well, by see the sixteen, it means that they will lose with Portugal if my prediction are right. I yeah. don't see Portugal being that's that of a big of a threat to be honest. Unless Ronaldo has a has a fantastic year, but to be honest, Portugal had their chance. They wasted against Greece, and it was <laughs> a shame for the whole country. I think uh, I don't see that coming early. Historic speaking, as well, uh, there was Eusebio before uh, Ronaldo mm. and Figo. You know those players, especially in uh, in Portugal, don't come along often. If you don't use them when they are in their prime, you just waste your chance. That's yeah. my, at least that's what I think. Again, the, it would be approved wrong. And the funny thing about it, you know, even though Ronaldo did win the Euros last time out, he didn't actually play much of that final, yeah. so, which is ironic, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've got, exactly. I've got, I've got Portugal getting to the final. Like this is by no logic by any means, but I feel that they'll finish third in their group and they'll play England, and they'll beat England. 
and then they'll play Spain. They'll beat Spain, and then they'll get to a semi-final against. Who have I got them against? Um, is it the Germans? Well, we'll it must be. Well, no, it can't be Germany because they will be on the same end. So it might be either Italy or Belgium. Um, no, that's. But who I've got in the semi-final uh, on the other side of the draw is definitely Italy and France because I've got them. Ah, because you put uh, France today as a winner. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I've I've got Germany second. So yeah, um, yeah we'll see who's right. But um, I, honestly, mate, I think you need to back Italy a bit more because I think they've got a good chance. Yeah, look, the semi-final is a good result. Yeah. And uh, I still believe that when you are in the last four, really anything can happen. Mm. So when I had Italy, Germany, France and Netherlands, I just put my chips on Netherlands. Yeah. Um, obviously, your your assumptions as well are more than correct. Van Dijk is not going to be there. But um, um, there is there is overall quality and international experience there. Italy mm. doesn't have it. Yeah. You know that that would be a factor when when the you know we we say in Italy the ball the ball start waiting like like it's made of iron, you know. <laughs> and uh, regardless of having experienced player like Chiellini and, and Bonucci, they never won anything on the international stage <laughs> because they choose their own team, which is Juventus. They never win the European Cup. And uh, besides. You know, the only player there that has won something uh, uh, as international level is Verratti with PSG. Uh, not even international. I mean, he's done some finals and, you know, won the league and stuff like that. All the rest, you know, that is Palmieri that just won the, the Champions League, however, he hasn't played much. All the rest is really people that never won anything or just a bit uh, in the in their own country. It's it's hard. I mean, I never played on a professional level, but even in the small environment that I coach, there are some games where we all feel the pressure. Um, I can imagine how much that is actually emphasized on that level, mm. on that kind of games with what is at stake there. Uh, and if you just never been under that amount of pressure, you can have people you know, that naturally react well while you have others that back down. So that would be an incognita there. You never know. <laughs> so um, one question I've asked everyone so far is what would you define a successful tournament for Italy? Um, if Italy can perform well with the team that are weaker than Italy, so being Italy and as I said, if at the end he managed to go out with Germany, which is a strong team, is in the cards, that would be a, an outstanding result. At the end of the day, you got like 32 teams or such, and you have only one winning, you know. Um, so it's not a failure if you don't win. However, considering all the teams that are there, notoriously the European Cup is harder than the World Cup because all European nations are strong, football speaking. So if you can arrive in the first four, it's a success. Yeah. If you pass the group stage, for instance, and then yes, and then if if my prediction are right, you go out with Austria, that's a failure for the simple <laughs> reason that you should win these games, you know. So um, at least for me, Italy needs to win the game that it needs to win, and it can lose the game that are in the cards to be to be lost. Yeah. And then I'd be happy. <laughs> 
Otherwise, I'm probably going to go back in Italy and throw a scooter out of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Right. I think we'll leave it there, mate. That was awesome. I really enjoyed that. And it was really nice to have a proper football in person. Like, I can hear it. You know, very tactical. And I probably have to go study the game myself. But I, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. And all the best to your team. Uh, Green Hythe, the team that you coach, and also all the best to the Zuri. I think that you'll get to a semi-final at least, and you might you might surprise us all. Yeah, I hope so. And uh, it was very nice to meet you, and uh, I'm glad I accepted uh, uh, an invitation from a stranger. <laughs> but hey, to who's watching, don't do this. Don't accept anything from strangers. <laughs> oh, it's, very da- it's very dangerous. <laughs> Oh, good. Well, I'm Italian, I can handle it. You guys don't do this. <laughs> don't do this at home. <laughs> oh, good. Well, anyway, uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the Extra Trials Football Podcast, the home of alternative football, and uh, we'll be back soon. Have a good one. Kakitano, out of a dirt cheap. Hey. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> ciao, ciao.